Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. We're so grateful to have you in our Soul Talks community. We love meeting you and hearing from you. One of the ways we hear from you is through our social media accounts also. And recently, we did a post on the difference between codependency and empathy. We got almost 4,000 likes and 66 comments with some good questions in there. So we decided it'd be good to do a Soul Talk on this and converse about it. We'll answer some of the questions that came up on there. And also just because I think this is really good timing here in December, because a lot of us are interacting with families, there's a lot of expectations, a lot of needs, and sometimes it can be hard for us to discern where we need boundaries, and we can cross into some codependency sometimes. Yeah, so what is the difference between codependency and empathy? Sometimes to have empathy for people, to be soft-hearted, to be really caring and concerned and compassionate, helpful, it uh, can cross over into codependency. It can cross into rescuing and trying to protect people from consequences, some choices that they maybe need for their own growth and maturity. Yeah, and especially with people that we love and our families and and with our kids or adult kids, we, we really want to we want to care for them. We want things to go well for them. We want them to do do well in school, do well in their jobs, their relationships, their of course their faith. And so sometimes we can get over invested, over involved, and even controlling. Yes. Well, I think it might be helpful. Let's just unpack some of the differences, and then let's talk about some of our learnings about this. One of the differences that we talk about with what is codependency versus empathy would be it's empathy when you're not jumping in to try to fix everything, but you're listening to the person. You're, you're hearing them. You're empathizing with their struggles, with their challenges, with their needs. You're validating those emotions for them, but you're not taking on the responsibility as if it's up to you to now fix it for them. Yeah, in Galatians 6, Paul says uh, to us, uh, carry each other's burdens uh, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ, which is the law of love, the greatest commandment, to uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then to love your neighbors yourself. And so we, we carry each other's burdens. That's empathy. And the word for burdens there is like a, a, a crushing boulder, an overwhelming weight. And we experience crises, traumas, uh, major problems, uh, stuck places, uh, health challenges, grief. I mean, so many situations that come up in life and we really need someone to come along and help us carry that load. And that's what empathy does. It really enters in emotionally, prayerfully, uh, gets close, uh, becomes compassion when we, we do something helpful, uh, something supportive, uh, provide a meal, uh, drive somebody to a doctor appointment, uh, help them with their homework, many different ways of being kind to help someone with a, a weight that's they're struggling with. But, but then Paul continues in Galatians 6 and in verse 5, and he says, for each one needs to learn to carry their own load. And the word there for load is uh, like knapsack. And so you got a boulder and you got a knapsack. And sometimes we get those uh, mixed up. Uh, we each have our own uh, load in life, our own responsibilities. And if someone 
takes responsibility for those situations, uh, rescues us from those problems, as you said, Christy, then that becomes codependency. And it might be caring, it might be well-intentioned, but it actually ends up being harmful to the person because we all need to learn to carry our own load. That That's part of the uh, image of God in us, how God has created us. That we have dignity when we uh, get to have agency and and uh, decision-making power and influence with our life and and that we have self-respect that comes out of the, doing something well and, and being responsible. And so if we always need to be rescued, then that's not going to be healthy for our self-esteem, or our relationships, and we're not going to be able to do well in life. Yeah, it can leave someone who's constantly being rescued by somebody who struggles with codependency, it can leave them feeling shame even. It can lead them feeling like uh, self-doubt, like I guess I'm just not competent or capable in life. It can lead them, it can get them stuck in their own growth and ability to take courage and make decisions because they can start to feel like they can't do anything alone. They need they need the help. It can create an over-dependency on the codependent person, which is part of what sometimes can be functioning in the background. Sometimes in codependency, if you struggle with codependency, sometimes and the whole reason it's called codependency is because you're getting something back from the rescuing, from the fixing that you're doing. You're, you're feeling significant because you are able to fix and rescue and help and need. There's something in there that's, it, it looks like it's only altruistic and serving the other, but underneath unconsciously in the motives, there's something that you're needing and getting met in your over-rescuing. There's a payback. Mm-hmm. I, I feel important and significant. I, I feel like I'm being loving. Um, probably I'm being appreciated, and I like that. The other thing that's happening in, in codependency is that we're not facing some of our own problems, stresses, hurts, things that I'm responsible for. And that's the irony, is that in codependency, I'm over-responsible for other people, but I probably have some pockets in my own life where I'm under-responsible. And if you're, if you're relating and struggling with codependency, you might go, oh, wait a minute, that's not me. I'm so responsible, uh, I don't deal with that. But if you look closely at your life, if you have a pattern of taking on too much uh, helpfulness, too much responsibility for others, there are probably are some areas in your life that you're not getting to, you're not, you're not dealing with certain things that you need to deal with, you're not really uh, working through certain problems that you need to work through or certain uh, stresses and emotions that you're dealing with. And th- that's why codependency is actually a compulsive behavior or an addiction. It, c- it comes out of the recovery movement. It comes out of studies on alcoholism going back uh, a couple of generations. But they found that in al- alcoholic families and alcoholic uh, systems, every alcoholic had uh, at least one person in their life that was a codependent, that was a co-addict with them. They weren't an alcoholic, but they, they were uh, compulsive about helping, rescuing the alcoholic and, and doing things to make up for their problems. And they did it out, out of love, out of kindness, out of trying to be helpful, not realizing that it actually wasn't a healthy way of loving. And so that uh, codependent pattern of rescuing and fixing actually enables the alcoholism to continue. And so that's the problem when we rush in to rescue people they don't, they don't learn what they need to learn from the negative consequences, and they don't ever change. It keeps them stuck. It can be confusing for people because one of the things we, we have said ourselves about empathy is that empathy is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. 
because we're wanting to get curious and understand what is it like to be that person. But where it becomes a problem is if we take those shoes and we begin walking in them ourselves instead of that person. The, the purpose of empathy is for us to come alongside of them so they know they're not alone, so they know they're loved, so they can be prayed for, so they feel understood. And that alone can be empowering for someone to be able to then go and walk in their shoes in the way they need to. But where, where we often can cross the line is for us then to take over responsibility for that person and think we know best what they need. Yeah, some people think that empathy is like coddling or like so deferential and sappy or weak or something. They don't really understand that uh, true and accurate empathy is actually very strong and very robust. And it actually is giving the other person responsibility for their life, for their emotions, their, their hurts, their stresses, their problems. Because when you empathize, you, you really listen, you understand, you care, but then you, you feed back words of, well, gee, I, I'm, I'm hearing that, that you're really stressed and you don't know what to do with this problem. And so that way, spoken with a caring heart and, and coming from listening, that's helping to carry somebody's load. But notice that then you, you stop at that point and then you make that statement, but then the other person needs to respond and needs to do something. And so you're actually giving them back their emotion, their stress, their circumstance. It's a problem for them because it's it's their responsibility to deal with. You're, you're not fixing it. You're just helping them to carry it, helping them to understand that. You're giving them uh, concern and, and heartfulness and prayer and energy, but they, they ultimately need to walk out the solution. This was something that we had to learn pretty early on as therapists, because oftentimes I would find myself leaving a session early on when I was in private practice, and I was carrying all my clients' emotions, and it was weighing me down, and I would find myself sometimes obsessing about their problems or how I could fix it or how I could help them, and I was taking an over-responsibility to where my client would walk out on out of my office, very relieved, very lightened, feeling much better because they'd received such good empathy. But then I would walk around just utterly weighed down and and overly preoccupied with their problems. And it kept me from actually being able to help them. And it wasn't until I was able to get help with how I was struggling with meshing with them and Mm -hmm. taking too much of their emotions on then I had freed up energy to better, to be more effective to help them. Because by not letting yourself be absorbed with and consumed by and uh, responsible for somebody else's emotion, then now you're able to release that. And then that frees up your energy to ask a question like, well, what do you think you want to do about this situation? Or uh, so how have things gone since the last conversation that we had? What did you, what did you decide to do? And so those are gentle ways of helping someone take responsibility for their life, which is actually what we do in good empathy. We're, mm-hmm. we're, the understanding is part of helping them to look at their life with our help and see some things differently and marshal some resources in order to make some decisions and take some action or have some conversations and to um, work the situations through in their life. Quite honestly, Bill, sometimes it's more work 
to not help somebody than it is to just take over and yeah, help and fix we're the restraining ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because it, it reinforces our pride, our, our sense of importance, or, or even pride in how loving we are, how mm-hmm. helpful we are. It, it can feel good to be heroic. Yeah. And so something that, that we've both learned in years, many years of listening to people in the early years, it was this therapist. Now it's the spiritual directors and coaches. But as we listen to people, it's to not take that problem, that burden in on our own. And part of how we do that is to is to pray for the person. We pray with people. After we finish a conversation, we pray. And you know, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. And so we trust his presence and action in people's lives. And just learning how to, and Jesus shows us this time again in the Gospels. We see him say to people things like, well, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Or pick up your mat and walk and uh, go over to the pool of Siloam uh, and wash the, the, the mud out of your eyes that I just put on there. And even people receiving healing need, need to do something to activate that healing. How much uh, more obvious is that true in the discipleship process or in counseling or spiritual direction? And so it's really important that we learn these things about empathy. And this is something that we teach in Soul Shepherding. We teach our in our two-year uh, spiritual direction program where we give a certificate in spiritual direction. We, we teach empathy skills. We teach boundary-setting skills and how to pray for people, how to ask questions that help them take responsibility. And the spirit of this is learning to be good at, at moving in, when we're caring for somebody, moving close to, to bond, to understand, to care, but then also stepping back and, and moving out. So we, we go in and we go out in a relationship. We need to join and bond, but we also need to have a certain distance and be independent. And when we're getting enmeshed, we're, we're losing that differentiation of differentiating my emotions from your emotions, my needs, my responsibilities from yours, and that, that enmeshment actually ends up getting suffocating, and it creates a lot of tension and conflict in relationships. A lot of people think they have an intimacy problem in their, their marriage or their, their family relationship or their friendship, but usually that comes down to a boundary problem that's embedded in that where there's this enmeshment. Well, and I remember early on as a young mom, Finding myself real enmeshed with our kids' happiness and well-being and emotions, and I remember at one point where I was particularly concerned about one of our kids, and the, the struggle and the pain there was totally affecting my emotions so much that I felt as if I couldn't be happy without fixing this. And I remember your response to me as you were empathizing with me because I was sharing with you this burden and all of my emotions, is you saying to me, well, I am certainly very concerned about this, and I don't like this either, and this grieves me and makes me very sad. But the reality is, this is our child's issue, and if they continue to make these kind of choices and walk this out, I can be happy anyway. And I remember just being absolutely shocked and having to confront my own codependency in that. And and it came in the form of even thinking, is that okay? <laughs> Would it be okay for me to be happy if my child continued to live in, in these choices, in this in this problem, in this issue, in this thing that to me is just so disastrous and unfathomable and not okay? Would would even would it be would it be okay? Would it be loving? Could I even 
do that with integrity. And what I realized is that you really were confronting this issue of enmeshment. I was overly enmeshed with our child. I really, we often have heard said, you know, a mom is only as happy as her least happy child. That's another example of how in motherhood we can get so enmeshed, and I'm sure it's true for parents as well, or even for kids with our adult parents. Yeah, I recently had a friend say to me, yeah, a father's only as happy as his least happy child. And I heard that and I actually felt guilty because I felt like, oh, yeah, he's caring. He's so caring for his kids. And, and uh, is that really true for me? And, and I was thinking, maybe I'm not that caring. But you're right. The, there's a lot of enmeshment and enabling potentially in that statement. And we do really need to learn um, how to not match the moods of other people including our loved ones, because then we're just going to be drowning with them. If someone's depressed and that makes me depressed, I, and I'm not going to be able to be helpful. And so, but uh, keeping a, a separate um, emotional base, a separate emotional gravity is not, doesn't mean being uncaring. And so em- empathy is the connecting point where we're curious and we ask questions and we really are concerned but not absorbing that as, as my own. And so uh, I, I think for me, what's been really helpful is I've had challenges with enmeshment and boundary setting and how to appropriately really care for loved ones w- without getting submerged in that. I, I find it very helpful to meditate on Psalm 1 and the imagery of being like the tree that's planted by the stream of living water and so even, even when it's in a desert and there's no water that's coming, uh, the, the root system is, is tapping into uh, hidden sources of nourishment and water to ha- have life. And so the tree is able to bear fruit uh, and even out of, in season and out of season, the, the fruit comes and um, the leaves don't wither. The, the growing of fruit doesn't make the tree die because <laughs> it takes energy to produce fruit. It takes energy to be loving, to be helpful. And so we're, some of us get so depleted in doing that that we don't, we don't take care of our own soul. And so the, the imagery of the tree there, those rivers of living water are right beside each of us all the time. It's called the kingdom of God, uh, the presence of the spirit of Jesus. And so learning how to, to draw from that and practically speaking, one of the ways that looks, in addition to things like meditating on scripture, is having someone that I talk to that so that I'm getting empathy too. If I'm if I'm only the one that's helping others and I never need any help, that's not going to go very well for me. And so that that's something that we're always encouraging you in our listeners that uh, all of you are people who are helping others as small group leaders and parents and pastors and missionaries and spiritual directors and coaches and uh, people in, in business that are leading Bible studies and taking people out for for coffee to listen and care and pray for them. I and mean, you're all concerned about other people. You're soul shepherds. But but sometimes we don't pay attention to the fact, you know, I, I need empathy too. And who, who am I talking to? Who am I asking to listen to me? Who am I asking to pour into my life? And we never like... Uh, outgrow that or something mm-hmm. or, or become so high, highly uh, fruitful 
or mature in our in our leadership or our ministry that we don't still need someone who that this is my spiritual director this is my soul friend that I know I can talk to and be honest with and be understood and accepted and so that's a primary way that we receive the a sense and, and appreciation that, yeah, God is present and God is compassionate for me. And so that helps me now when I'm in my relationships to come out of the overflow. And as I have received empathy and compassion, now I can share with somebody else. And it helps me to do that where I'm not doing it out of an, an inner emptiness or an inner sense of compulsion. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that, that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, and that's the, the one that gives out of the overflow, not of obligation or emptiness. And so this is a very wise teaching around healthy boundaries, healthy relationships, healthy emotions, and being really uh, careful with that. And, and, and for a lot of us, because we're functioning as, you, you might be a pastoral counselor or a spiritual director, and you have a lot of relationships where you're listening and you're caring and you, you know about empathy, you're good at that. Uh, and it's, it's people like us that are gentle and caring soul shepherds that have trouble with this issue because codependency it's just a degree or two off of love i mean it's there's so much good in that and we wouldn't if you're struggling with with what we're calling codependency or or enmeshment or rescuing we we would not want you to feel guilty about Mm -hmm. that or feel bad about that it's it's because you have such a wonderful heart of love it's because you're so caring and so compassionate And, and there's fine lines here and specific you know it always comes out to the specific situations, but we talk to different people who are wrestling with this, and it's difficult to disentangle it all. And, and what's the difference in a particular situation between being loving and being codependent? So there's a very fine line, and, and maybe we don't ever get it perfectly, but it's it's because we are compassionate, gentle, attentive, considerate people that, that sometimes we, we get enmeshed or we take on too much responsibility or we find ourselves being too helpful and fixing. And so there's so much about that that's actually a good sign about what's in our heart, yes. but we just need to be uh, careful in the sense of being preemptive. We, we need to step back from the relationship, from the stress of the moment, the, 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 the press, the swirl of our life that's pulling us into helping and, and fixing and rescuing. And we need to kind of just step back and go, okay, wait a minute. What am I feeling? What am I needing? Mm-hmm. How am I taking care of my, myself here? Because in any situation of, of being codependent, there's a lot of, of denial and negation going on about my inner emotions and needs. So there's so much here, Bill. Let's continue our conversation on this and next week and do a part two for our listeners. But as we close out today's conversation, I just want to pray for all who are with us and, and are listening and really processing and through this. So Jesus, how we thank you and praise you that you are that river of living water. And Father God, you are joyfully happy and at the same time have perfect empathy for each one of us in our sorrows, in our struggles, in our pain. And so we look to you to help us to receive your care, your empathy, your presence, and also your joy, and to be able to return to joy. And we thank you that you tell us to love one another, and you've given us relationship with others in your body, and that you have modeled and taught us even boundary setting and lack of enmeshment in the ways that you 
didn't engage with enmeshment with your mother, your brothers, your disciples. So Jesus, we want to continue to learn from you, to receive your love, your empathy, your grace, and to grow in maturity, to be able to love others, to empathize with others, to share in their sufferings, but also to return to joy in you and trust and faith. So thank you, Lord, for each one of our listeners who are wanting to grow as your students who have apprenticed themselves to you. Continue to teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you've been blessed by the Soul Talks podcast or anything in Soul Shepherding, we would so appreciate a donation to Soul Shepherding. Most of our donations come at year end, and that's what enables all the ministries of Soul Shepherding. Things like scholarshiping uh, pastors and missionaries and people who uh, need financial support towards our Soul Shepherding Institute retreats. They're five days long where we just pour into uh, all kinds of shepherding leaders and our uh, our spiritual direction certificate program, the two-year program in training and empathy and spiritual direction. And all these things take uh, resources. We so appreciate your donations to support Soul Shepherding. You can do that at soulshepherding.org uh, slash donate. Or uh, if you just follow the link in this, this podcast, you can send a check to our office in Irvine. You'll find that on our website also. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 